The House Armed Services Committee has plans to mark up its version of the 2020 Defense Authorization Bill starting in mid-June. One of the big players in that process will be Intelligence, Emerging Threats and Capabilities Subcommittee Chairman, Representative Jim Langevin, Democrat of Rhode Island. Federal News Network Scott Marcioni spoke with Langevin about his plans for the bill, cyber issues, and much more. We're still working on the, the top line numbers and uh, looking forward to getting that uh, resolved. And uh, hopefully that'll, that'll happen in the, in, the, in the near future. But uh, certainly we're all hoping that uh, we're going to be able to do away with sequestration. Uh, it's been a challenge to deal with sequestration ever since it was first uh, enacted. And it's no way to budget. And on a bipartisan basis, everyone's talked about doing away with it. So I'm hoping that can happen as well as uh, setting reasonable top line numbers uh, for both defense and discretionary non-defense. You had asked the Defense Department for a report on climate change in the 2018 NDAA. You recently got a report from them. The original report that they gave you was not up to snuff. Can you tell us what you took away from the report that they recently gave you, which had the top 10 most vulnerable bases to climate change on that list for each military service? Well, I and, and, the, and the committee and the, the, the chairman uh, are very unsatisfied with uh, the report that uh, the, the Pentagon produced in January and then the follow-up letter uh, that came from the Pentagon in June about uh, the military installations that are, that are most vulnerable to the effects of climate change and the costs associated with it. There were no cost estimates, and, and uh Really, the, the January report goes, but it's no closer to knowing the risks to our military or the costs uh, to mitigate them. The March letter uh, listed top 10 installations, but they used basically the same methodology that had been used uh, with that was really uh, a very broad uh, focused, uh, especially the March letter focused on uh, bases in CONUS uh, and not uh, looking at all at all CONUS. I didn't have any restrictions in my my requirements of what the Pentagon was looked at. It was both, you know, the bases here in CONUS and also could have looked at bases around the world. But bottom line is, uh, this affects readiness. It has uh, these are taxpayer dollars that are going to be spent dealing with climate change. And, and we have a, a right, the American people have a right to know what we're doing to deal with climate change. And my report requirements are very specific. All the services have to do in a top 10 assessment of uh, the most vulnerable military bases in each of the services, the costs associated with uh, those, those effects, which will mitigate the, uh, the, 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 uh, the cost of, uh, of climate change and, again, how it's uh, affecting readiness and, and our planning going forward. So uh, I, I'm very unsatisfied with what the, the, the DOD has produced so far, and we're going to be going back again. And, uh, asking them to uh, provide the information that we're requiring and do this the right way. What do you think DOD's reluctance is to give the information that you need over? It doesn't seem like there's any confidentiality standards or anything like that that it would be breaching. Well, I, I can only speculate that either they are choosing not to uh, look uh, and look at and take the requirements uh, in the, re- the report as far as seriously. Uh, or uh, they're concerned that uh, they don't have top cover from the president and the, and the White House on this. Uh, again, it's, it's, it's speculation, uh, but I am uh, unsatisfied with the information that's been provided so far. It's, it's not adequate, and we're gonna, uh, we need to require 
uh, a, a, a further uh, in-depth response to uh, to report going forward. So we are going to be pressing that, uh, and we are going to get the information one way or the other. And while the report doesn't have everything that you want it to have in there, it certainly does have some interesting numbers in it, some interesting uh, figures. What are you taking away from what you've learned so far from these reports? Yeah, that uh, it's certainly concerned about the the size of the bases that are that are impacted and and what we're going to do to make sure that they are resilient. How it's going to impact readiness going forward. We talk about how readiness over the years uh, has has suffered, and certainly not dealing with what's coming or what we're dealing with now with respect to climate change is going to is going to further complicate our, our readiness challenges. So the sooner we can be prepared, can confront these challenges, the the, uh, the better off our military is going to be, the better off our men and women will be in terms of their training and their ability to do their jobs, and ultimately the better and stronger our national security will be once we've, we've dealt with these challenges. We can't just fly by the seat of our pants and hope that climate change is going to go away. It's not going to happen. Changing gears a bit, you're the chairman of the Subcommittee on Intelligence, Emerging Threats, and Capabilities. Can you give us a preview as to what you might be looking into over the next year and a half or two years or so? Our task, our challenge is to identify those areas where we have a strategic tactical advantage and work with the military to preserve those uh, those advantages and identify areas where enemies and adversaries have undermined our advantage or our, our capabilities. and. And, uh, and we have to reverse those uh, those deficits. So we're certainly going to be looking at certain um, long-range emerging threats facing the U.S. Uh, we're looking at uh, dual technologies like AI and quantum and uh, IoT. Uh, we're looking at cyber weapons and WMD, uh, especially things like uh, CRISPR and uh, also electronic warfare. Uh, we're going to look at certain uh, climate change. Uh, Again, DOD is lacking a mitigation plan, a cost analysis, so that's the priority that we'll be looking at. Um, mostly going to be looking at IT and uh, cybersecurity. So, uh, you know, there's major uh, IT initiatives that are underway, you know, with the JEDI, uh, the Jake, uh, or even the uh, Joint AI Commission that we that we stood up. Uh, we want to make sure that we're we're certainly synchronizing. Uh, uh, Thinking with uh, existing initiatives within the services, um, also looking at ensuring that the defense the industrial base is part of the conversation with all of these uh, these initiatives, uh, especially when it comes to again IT and cybersecurity. Uh, we want to make sure that um, also the support for small businesses and non-traditional defense contractor compliance with cybersecurity standards. And, and uh, you know, weapon system security. So the cybersecurity of weapon systems and platforms and, uh, and DOD critical uh, infrastructure, we want to bake, make sure that, that we're baking cybersecurity into requirements from the start of the acquisition process. So those are among my top priorities. Of course, looking at special operations uh, forces, looking at their readiness and dwell time, looking at support for... Soft and, and their families, so the force and family preservation is essential to uh, to look at. And again, managing this insatiable demand for soft is another thing I'm going to be uh, paying very close attention to. Uh, and and then also uh, 
we, it goes SOCOM alignment to the national defense strategies. We transition over from uh, a counterterrorism focus to great power competition. Um, those, are, those are some of the top lines. Um, of course, there's S&T and emerging technologies want to obviously promote a strong and robust uh, S&T ecosystem. So, you know, looking at the, the DOD and the labs, academia and private sector, and then transitioning cutting-edge technologies to the warfighters, things like railgun and, and directed energy. Rhode Island Democrat Jim Langevin, chairman of the House Armed Services Intelligence, Emerging Threats and Capabilities Subcommittee, speaking with Federal News Network Scott Massioni. Check out Scott's story at federalnewsnetwork.com. <coughs> Cough and cold season is here. Introducing Ricola Max Throat Care, Ricola's most powerful drop yet. It's the best of Swiss nature wrapped around a powerful liquid menthol center for maximum relief from your worst cough and sore throat. Maximum nature for maximum relief. Try the new Ricola Max now, available in the cold and cough aisle. It's in our nature. Will you and everyone you work with lose their minds if you don't use Upwork to bring in more talent to help? Yep. Can you afford to spend months finding that talent the old-fashioned way? Nope. Can you hire them in seconds on Upwork? Yep. Is it complicated? Nope. Can you have them as long as you need? Yep. Longer than you need? Nope. Is Upwork a newer, better way to work? Yep. Is this commercial over? Nope. What about now? Yep. Upwork. This is how we work now. 